Uh, so I figured since we got food here today, normally you'd have to leave and go like get your lunch or wherever you were going to eat lunch today. So I would try to hurry up and let y'all get out there. But that now we got food here, that should give me an extra 30, 45 minutes, right? You know, at least a couple of hours. <laughs> or not. So today, I want to talk to you guys about, I want to spend a few minutes and talk about your feelings and your emotions. And we're going to look at one story that we've looked at before, but we're going to see some different things in it. And then I want to bring up some things that maybe you've not considered. Because I feel like that's such a huge thing nowadays and in our culture and just in the time that we live in is like, hey, whatever you feel like, that's what you should do. That's who you are. And if you read the Bible, and if you just really, even if you don't believe the Bible, if you just sit down and think about it logically for a few minutes, um, you would realize that anyone who is led by their feelings and their emotions is dangerous. It's reckless. That's why we have police officers, so that you can't do anything you feel like anytime you feel like doing it. Why? Because people would hurt other people and people would take things from other people and do all kind of stuff because it's sin nature. Sin nature. And we live in a fallen world. <laughs> so I want to take just a few minutes and talk about feelings and emotions. and But I don't want you to get the wrong idea and think that I'm saying that your feelings and your emotions are a bad thing. Because our God has feelings and emotion. And when Jesus, all God, all man, got sent to earth so that we could see what God looks like. Remember Jesus said, if you look at me, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Like, look at me and you can see what God looks like. Jesus had feelings. Jesus had emotions. Jesus wept when Lazarus died, Scripture tells us. And Jesus got upset about John the Baptist being locked up in jail. And Jesus got mad one time premeditated he sat there and wove a whip together that takes a little while you have to have the materials and some strips of leather and stuff it wasn't like Jesus and then what went in and flipped over tables and chased a bunch of people out of the temple like Jesus felt feelings he had emotion and I almost just told you another one but we're going to hit that in a second when we read the when we read the scripture but our God is a feeler so please, as we're talking about this, especially in this first part, don't get me wrong and think I'm saying that feelings are a bad thing or emotions are a bad thing. Last week, we talked about your passion. What is passion but feelings and emotion? What is love without feelings or emotion or passion? Not real love. So don't think I'm saying it's a bad thing, but there must be balance and we cannot be led by our feelings. We're supposed to be led by God. We're supposed to chase after our purpose. We're, and then our feelings and our emotions complement our purpose and helping others and doing all the things that, that God wants us to do. So do you do whatever you feel like doing or do you do what's right? Because a lot of times those two things are different. Do you control your feelings or do they control you? 
I know all y'all probably control your feelings, but I know you all know somebody that's controlled by their feelings, right? And if you don't, it won't be you. It might be all of us at some point in time, some areas of our life where we get controlled by our feelings and we act on what we feel like rather than on what we know is the right thing for us to do in any given situation or circumstance. The problem is that a life controlled by feelings is constantly forfeiting blessings and purpose. I'm all up in my feelings. Ever heard anybody say that? That's a choice. You're choosing to be all up in your feelings. It, emotions and feelings, we're going to look at some stuff that a neuroscientist talked about, and I heard these uh, a TED Talk on it and looked up some different lectures and stuff. But do you know that feelings and emotions, you create them. They're not just something that happens to you. It's not just like, whoa, I got hit with this feeling of anger. No, you created a feeling of anger in your mind. You chose that. You create emotions and feelings. I'm all up in my feelings. Okay, well, that's a choice. I've learned to act on what I know. My feelings can follow most of the time. Like, I love my wife, and that's a choice. I choose that. So God is a feeler, and His DNA is inside of every one of us. He calls all of us His sons and daughters. He created man in His image. So His DNA is in you. So you feel. But God will not act contrary to His character. So when you're tired, when you're exhausted, when you're wore out, you usually make bad decisions. You're not thinking straight. Think about every major moment of failure in your life. Oh man, that could be a depressing part of the service. I didn't think about that until I had it on my notes, but... Never mind, y'all come back. I feel like I lost half the room. <laughs> okay, enough. Don't think about that anymore. But it was probably usually moments or times when you were tired or you were wore out or you were exhausted or you were stretched too thin or... I mean, that's usually when we fail or when you were in just so much pain that you needed something to cover up the pain or it's usually an area or a time in our lives like that is our biggest moments of failure. So we're going to look at Genesis 25, verse 27. And the boys grew. And Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. Another place in the Bible tells us that he was a hairy man. 
So we know that Esau was good at hunting and that he was a very hairy man. So just picture like one of the Duck Dynasty guys. And Jacob, his brother, his twin brother, was a plain man dwelling in the tents. So Jacob liked to stay inside all day long. He was a plain man. He had smooth skin, and he did not like to, he wasn't the outdoors type. All right, so just get these two in your mind. One of them was an inside guy. He liked to stay in the tents and cook, had smooth skin, liked to keep a nice clean shave. The other one was a hairy man that liked to go out and hunt in the woods and go camping and well, I guess they all kind of camped because their inside was also intense. But two very different twin brothers. Verse 28 says, And Isaac loved Esau, that's their dad, because he did eat of his venison. But Rebekah, their mom, loved Jacob. So you got a daddy's boy and a mama's boy. And Jacob sawed pottage. And Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. That word faint is exhausted. In the Message Bible, it, this verse, it words it, <clears throat> It says, I'm starved. Do you know being starved or exhausted, so hungry? This was actually a choice. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, so the little brother sees an opportunity here and he swings for the fence. He notices big brother, big hairy brother comes in out of the field. He's starving, and he's so upset that he says, I am so faint. I'm so exhausted. I'm about to die. Please give me some of that wonderful red pottage that you've cooked over there. That sounds very appetizing. Um, please give me some of that. And so the little brother's like, oh, this is my chance. Should I make a deal with him to have to clean my room for a month? Nah. What should I do? This dude swings for the fences. Sell me this day thy birthright. Wait a minute. You want some of my soup? Here's all I want from you. Give me your birthright. Because you're the firstborn son. And to us, you know, in our culture in this day and age, the birthright is not such a big deal as it was back then. But back then, to God's people and to the day that they lived in, Here's what the birthright meant. See, we don't fully understand it, but it was three things. Number one, when dad died, you were the ruler of the family. You were in charge. You made the rules. Number two, you got a double portion of the inheritance. Whatever every other kid, like the whole entire inheritance, you got double, and then all the other kids would split up whatever was left. So you got a whole lot more stuff. That includes the animals, tents, anything that, that the father had acquired over his lifetime. The third thing, the birthright, was your identity. The birthright was that he was the firstborn son. It was his identity. 
and that you got a special blessing from God and a great sense that God was with you to help you lead the family, to lead, to walk into the future that God had for you, all those things. So the birthright was huge. It was a big deal. Verse 32 says, And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die. I'm, about to, I'm just about to starve to death anyway, so what good is a birthright going to do me? I'm just about to fall over in the floor and die. Well, he wasn't. He wasn't about to starve to death. He could have waited a couple hours. He could have cooked himself something to eat. He could have, like, he wasn't really about to die. And so I want you to realize from this little story that feelings would turn you into a drama queen. Think about it. Every time, they got all those Snickers commercials right, about you're not, you're not yourself when you're hungry. Eat a Snickers. You, you, he gets hungry, and then he's like, oh, I'm about to die. I just, okay, what good is a birthright going to do me? What good is an inheritance going to do me? Because I'm about to die. And people that are literally starving to death, about to drop over dead from starvation, they don't walk in a door and announce it and have conversations with somebody about stuff. No, you're... If you were really about to die of starvation, you wouldn't be able to be walking in and discussing a red pottage. Physically, you would be laying on the ground and have no strength left to move because you are just about to die of starvation. So it wasn't even true. You don't come in and announce it. Feelings are convincing. They can convince you. Your feelings of anger, your feelings of lust, your feelings of fear, your feelings of pride, your feeling like they're very convincing. You can convince yourself of a whole lot of things, but they're not reliable. Your feelings just aren't reliable. You can't build your life on that. Or you can, but it's dangerous. I'm at the point I'm about to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me what good is it and Jacob said swear to me this day and he swore unto him and he sold his birthright unto Jacob then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils that's beans he gave him a freaking red bean soup for his birthright and he did eat and drink and he rose up and he went his way and thus Esau despised his birthright. Wait a minute. You catch that last little part? We've talked about this story before, and I don't know if we hit on that part, because when I read it this week, it stuck out to me like, wait a second. His birthright was who he was. His birthright was his inheritance. His birthright was his identity, who God let him be born as the firstborn. So it was the call that God had on his life. It was... It was all these great things. It was honor. It was respect. It was the power in the family. It was, it was all this stuff. And since he sold it or he forfeited it, he despised it. Huh. You know what you exchange, what you give up, 
or forfeit. I like that word because, you know, like in sports, to forfeit, that's the easiest way to lose. It's a guaranteed loss. Anything can happen if you play the game, even if you're outnumbered or you're the underdog or whatever. At least, I mean, you play the game, something could happen on any given Sunday. But if you forfeit, it's over. You lost. You give it up. You quit. You let it go. Then it's a guaranteed loss. And what you exchange, what you forfeit... What you give up, you'll usually end up despising. I've seen people that should be leaders in the church, but because of the decisions that they made to forfeit who they are, to forfeit the power that they should hold in the kingdom, to forfeit the anointing that was placed on their life because of feelings and because of decisions that they made to to cater to those feelings and now they despise the thing that they gave up just like Esau they despise the very ministry that was theirs and the call on their life why is that? probably the same reason as Esau because they gave it up for a feeling they gave it up for a moment they gave it up for for what? For temporary feelings. For a passing moment of pleasure. Esau despised his birthright. And the feeling went away. But he sold who he was born to be. we can sit here and read this story and say man what a moron like what a dummy why would he do that but I'm pretty sure while I've been talking something's popped in your mind of a time you or some loved ones have done it or people that you know closely people you know not so closely if you're open pretty sure while I've been talking you probably thought of a time that you have forfeited who you're supposed to be or taking the feeling over what you knew was right or pretty sure we all have you need to know when you're on the brink of a breakdown like you need to learn how to understand that hey I'm about to do something really stupid because I've let myself get to this point like it's good to know if you're about to break down like, I like to know when I'm in my truck if I'm about to break down. It's good to know so you can plan for it. Make sure you're not too far away from home. Huh? Make sure Brad's not in Florida or whatever. <laughs> if you know when you're about to break down, it can be very helpful. You can plan it, plan for it. Or like, you know when something's about to go bad. You ever, you ever grab the milk out of the refrigerator and look and the date's like really close and you smell it and you say, well, it's on the verge. I think if it's on the verge, you should just dump it out. Like give it to the cats or something. Nah, it'd be all right if you put it in some cereal. No, it's about to go bad. Like something's, it's about to go really bad. 
You ever felt like you're on the brink of a breakdown or like you're on the verge, you're about to do something stupid? You're in a place mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically for some of us. Might have put ourselves in a compromising situation or might be in a place and, and you know, I'm about to make a dumb decision based on a feeling. I'm about to break down. I'm tired. I'm. You need to identify that. You need to know when you're on the brink of a breakdown. And you need to be very careful in these moments. Because the consequences are greater than the reward, always. The reward is instant gratification. Oh, that feels good. Yeah, right now. For a moment. But the consequences are not worth it. You keep forfeiting what God has for you. For temporary. Look at Hebrews 12.16. Hebrews 12.16. This is where the writer of Hebrews, he mentions this. And look what he says about Esau in this, this moment that we just read about. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. So the writer of Hebrews there is like lumps that together with someone who's sexually immoral. That he gave up who he was. I'm so wore out that a little bit of pleasure right now it just sounds worth it. You know what? I'm so tired or I'm in so much pain or I'm so mad that I'm just going to do what I feel like doing. It's worth it. But it's really not. So in what area of your life are you drained? What area of your life are you tired? Is it physically? Is it mentally? Is it emotionally? Is it maybe it's spiritually? Like what area have you not been filling yourself up? It's good to take a step back and look at all the different areas of our lives and see if we're, hey, am I full there? Am I doing good in that area or am I, am I empty? Am I running around on empty? First thing, you need to identify it so that you can refill. Do you know if my car is out of oil, my truck's out of oil, and I just keep putting gas in the gas tank and keep on driving, I'm going to blow up my engine. Well, I needed to fill up with something, but I didn't identify in what area I was low. And so if you don't identify and you maybe you're full, you're pretty full spiritually, right? You got some gas in the tank and spiritually, but you know, physically you're running on empty and you just keep on putting gas in the tank when you need a little bit of oil. So identify what area is it that you're about to break down? What area is it that you're about to forfeit some things? 
Y'all remember Samson? Samson was like the greatest, most powerful warrior, and God had this call on his life, and he killed, he killed a thousand people with the jawbone of a donkey. And not just random civilians and kids and stuff. These were like trained warriors all by itself, all at one time. Just picked up a jawbone and went to work. Like he was the toughest, baddest gladiator warrior. And you know what happened to him? Let me tell you a girl, girl problems. And she was wearing him down. She kept asking him, what's the secret to your strength? What is it? Pulling on his emotions. And he would go to her and he would see her. And he fell in love with her. And he wanted to marry her. And, and she wasn't the only one that he had trouble with. This was his problem, was girls. He got with another girl and, like, it just went really bad. So I don't want to get into his whole story, but that was his problem. His emotions, his lust his going after these girls and and judges 16 verse 16 says and it came to pass when she pressed him daily every day with her words See, it wasn't a physical thing it was just her words and her nagging and her on and on and on and he knew it was the wrong decision he knew he wasn't supposed to tell her where his strength lied he knew like that's not what i'm supposed to do but she kept on, kept on, kept on. And he wouldn't get out of the situation. He didn't identify what was going on. Daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed to death. Yeah. You know what that is? Emotions. Drama. Like, she's just asking you, and it got to the point where his soul was vexed to death. That's pretty bad. If I say, hey, how you doing today, RJ? He says, my soul's vexed to death. I'm going to be like, yeah. Thoughts and prayers, brother. Keep on walking. That's pretty bad. And look what verse 17 says. That he told her his heart, and he said unto her, there hath not come a razor upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. And if I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. So he told her. So what did she do? Shaved his head, tied him up. The enemy came in, grabbed him, stabbed his eyeballs out, made him work as a slave, and then... He did one last great thing for God, but ended up having his life cut short and being killed because of feelings. And he let his emotions and his what he felt like doing rather than what he knew was the right thing to do. What about Moses we talked about a couple weeks ago? Remember, Moses let his anger get the best of him multiple times. Went out there smacking the rock when God told him to speak to the rock and just let his anger. One time he just got so mad that he just grabbed a man and killed him. Threw him on the ground and covered him up with some sand. Like Moses had a kind of a serious anger problem. 
And he let it get the best of him sometimes. And you know what happened? He wasn't able to go into the promised land. He wasn't able to fully walk in that. He had to hand that over to someone else. Because of feelings. Because of emotion and anger. It caused him to disobey. He was probably tired of walking around in the desert for 40 years listening to them complain. I can't blame him too much. We talk about hangry. I think there's a thing called tangry. You're just so tired, you're angry. Jesse gets real angry when she's tired. (laughs) Number two. It's very important who you surround yourself with. So important. Identify the areas you need to refill. And then look at who you're surrounding yourself with. And we can look down the list of Elisha and Elijah and Samson and Moses and all these great people throughout the Bible. We can look at King David who was a man after God's own heart and one of the most powerful warriors that ever lived, the greatest leader that Israel has ever known. And you know what David did? Got himself in some real bad trouble because of what? Feelings and emotions and not being surrounded with the people he was supposed to be surrounded with. And then he was looking at things he wasn't supposed to look look at and he was doing things he wasn't supposed to do and, and fell into feelings of lust and temptation. And that led to feelings to murder and punishment and judgment and he trades the moment for the blessing and he paid a great price for that but that was the Old Testament and now after the cross and Jesus died for all of us and he paid the price with his blood Remember Matthew 11 where Jesus said, if you're tired, if you're weary, if you're wore out, if you're heavy laden, if you're carrying heavy burdens, if you're burned out on religion, depending on what translations you read it in, Jesus said, come to me. I'll give you rest. Come to me and I'll fill you back up. Come to me and I'll show you how to take a real rest because my burden's easy. My yoke is light. Like you don't have to be running around so tired and about to break down. I actually want you to be refreshed so that you can experience a breakthrough instead of being wore out about to experience a breakdown. So we have to stay connected to God and people. How do we stay connected to God? Meditate, pray. You have to find a way to fill yourself up and stay connected. Speaking of Meditate. We talked some about meditating and men's Bible study, and it's coming up. And I know some people like to do yoga to help clear their head and meditate. And I saw an interesting statistic that 98% of women that wear yoga pants don't do yoga. <laughs> Throw that out there. <laughs> you meditate. Stay connected to God, but we got to stay connected to people. Your circle matters. But what else can we do? You serve. 
Bible tells us that those who refresh others will be refreshed themselves. So if you're feeling really empty and you're feeling really drained and you're feeling really like depleted, maybe you should help somebody else. Maybe you should try serving somebody because the Bible says that those who refresh others will be refreshed themselves. Right? Those that give to somebody else will be given to. It's, it's the sowing and reaping principle. It's the, I can sit here and pray for a crop of corn, but if I've not planted it, then I'm just hoping for a supernatural miracle. But if I've gone out and planted the seeds and then prayed for it, then I've done all I can do and I'm expecting God to do what He's going to do, I'm probably going to receive more of a harvest. Probably going to work out a little better if I did what I could do. So maybe you need to be refreshed, so go refresh somebody else. I guess what I wanted to ask you today is, are you investing in your identity and who you are and who God's called you to be and the person that you want to be and the parent that you want to be and the leader that you want to be and the fellow church member that you want to be? The, like, are you investing in that, in your identity? Or are you investing in your feelings? Some people just invest in their feelings. They get up in the morning and you're investing in your feelings and creating new feelings and, and then following those feelings. It's a dangerous way to live your life. Feelings are powerful. You know you're here because of a feeling. I guess, I mean, your mom and dad had some kind of feeling. And there you are. You know, families start because of a feeling. And families end because of a feeling. I got a feeling. If I could go back, if I could go talk to Esau before he made this stupid decision, I'd tell him, I know this feeling is so strong right now. And I know you, you feel like you're about to die and the rest of the world is blurring out and all you can see is just that soup and how hungry you are right now and nothing else matters and all I want is what I want right now and it's all I can see and it's, it's what I have to have. You must have it. But, but Esau, if I could just shake him. I need it. I'm about to die. But dude... Your story will be written in the most famous book of all time. The Bible. And God, who's big on titles, is going to use your name in His introduction. He's going to appear to a man named Moses who will be famous. And he'll say, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. If you don't give up your birthright. Not only that, but a hero will come from heaven one day. And he'll save all of mankind. and He'll be your descendant. And his book, the New Testament, it'll have your name on the front page. 
but no one stopped him. See, no one talked any sense into Esau that day. No one was there to stop him. And he sold his birthright. And the feeling went away. And Jacob took his place. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now a feeling, an unchecked want, took that from him. For a feeling, he gave up his identity, who he was. And we do it all the time. We give up who we are because we feel like something in a moment. Jesus taught the disciples and said to the disciples, if you don't learn to say no to your feelings, to deny yourself and take up your cross. Say no to your emotions and your feelings of what you feel like doing in the moment. Like if you don't learn how to say no to your feelings and your impulses, then you'll lose you. You'll lose who you were created to be. What good is it if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? What good is it if you have money and cars and mansions and whatever it is and, and you lose you? You lose your soul. Then you'll spend all your money trying to find your soul and regain what you lost getting all the money. Nothing's wrong with getting all the money. But don't lose your soul in the process. We can commit to our feelings and say, that's who I'll be. That's what I am. Or we can commit to who we will be. And sometimes with great, with great pain, filter our feelings. So what can we do? make a plan we don't plan to give up who we are usually it happens we didn't plan it so what are you saying Dusty you make a plan not to make a plan that hey I'm, I'm not going to be led by emotions I'm not going to make any major decisions based off of a feeling stop putting yourself in situations of weakness to then make decisions for some of you it's real practical don't sleep at that house if it's causing you to make bad decisions every time you do stop sleeping there it's just it's real simple for some practical reasons and only you know I'm trying to figure out how to stop getting into bar fights and I've tried anger management classes and I've tried uh, talking to people and I've tried to get friends that would help me, hold me accountable. And I've, But there's a real simple way. Just stop going to bars. If that's your problem, if that's what you're struggling with, I mean, you can take all these classes and you can try to have somebody hold you accountable and you can try all these things. But like if that's your major issue that you're trying to quit doing, there's a real simple way. Just stop putting yourself in situations where you're going to be tempted. Real easy way to put a little time under your belt. And that can go for whatever it is that you're trying to get past. 
Just don't go there for a little while. The longer you go without giving in to that feeling, the easier it gets to say no to it and make a calculated decision. So make a plan. Number two, widen the circle. What does that mean? Have some trusted people in your life that you can tell your feelings to. Hey, you know what? I'm feeling like doing this. I'm feeling like doing something stupid. I'm feeling like acting on my anger. I'm feeling like going and getting high right now. I'm feeling like, like have a few, some trusted people. Don't go announce it to everybody and put it on Facebook. That's dangerous. But have some trusted people like widen your circle because if you just keep it all to yourself and hidden and in the dark, then it festers and grows and you won't find freedom. So have some people that you can tell. And I hate that when people say, I need you to hold me accountable. I'm trying to quit whatever it is. And I've had so many people tell me that, like, I need you to hold me accountable. And it doesn't work. How many people I've tried to hold accountable? And I say, okay, I will. Yep, I will hold you accountable. But, like, I don't know when you're tempted. So, eventually... It doesn't work if I'm holding you accountable and I don't know when you're tempted to mess up. So I can't call you and be like, hey, you're about to do what you told me to hold you accountable for and stop you from doing it. No, you got to hold yourself accountable and call me and say, hey, I'm having these feelings right now and I'm about to do the thing. You have to take responsibility of this is something in my life I want to change. I don't want to act on these feelings. So I'm going to hold myself accountable. You could be my accountability partner, but that means you call me when you're struggling. And I got to have people that I call when I'm having a feeling or an emotion. So you widen the circle. Last one, count the cost. Just once you identify the feelings that get you off track and knock you down or mess you up or the, the areas in your life where you're tired or depleted or low or you think you're on the verge, once you identify those, I challenge you to just sit there and count the cost and like just, just say the choice out loud before you do it and anything that it could cost you. This is going to cost me time. It's going to cost me money. It could cost me a relationship. It could cost me, um, I mean, you can go down the list. I've done that before. And guess what? You can talk yourself right out of something. Talk yourself out of something pretty quick. Even Jesus had to do it. In Matthew 26, I'm trying to wrap it up so I won't go there but in Matthew 26 when Jesus was going to the cross remember he had the he brought his three disciples with him and they were going into the garden to pray and Jesus was about to go to the cross and Jesus didn't want to go it tells us that Jesus was full of emotion and he didn't even want to go to the cross and he said can you guys just pray with me and he went and he was crying out to God saying is there any other way I don't want to do this it's too hard. It's too much pain. I'm scared. I, he had so much anxiety that he was sweating drops of blood. Jesus had feelings. Then he came back and they were sleeping. He was like, couldn't y'all just stay awake for an hour? You couldn't even pray for one hour? This Jesus. 
he was so upset, and they're like, oh, sorry, sorry. You gave us that communion. You gave us carbs and juice, and now you expect us to stay up all night praying. It's so boring. And he said, please just pray. This is the hardest time of my life. You have no idea what I'm going through. And he wipes a little blood off his brow, and he walks back up on the thing, and these dudes fall right back asleep. They're back out again. Because Jesus was feeling. Even Jesus had to do it. Had to check his feelings. Because after he had gone to them, came back, gone to them, came back and prayed, and then what did Jesus end it with? Nevertheless, hey God, this is what I feel. I don't want to do it. I don't want to go through with this. I don't want to experience the pain. I don't, but... Not my will, but thy will be done. I yield to what you want to do. And these these feelings and emotions are going to have to get in line. Because I can't give up my purpose. I can't give up who I was created to be. See, Jesus knew who he was. And if you get a real understanding of who you are and who you were created to be, and the son or the daughter of God that you are, it makes it a lot easier to choose that, to choose your identity over feelings. So, um, there's a TED Talk that I listened to that's actually really interesting and very helpful on this subject so if you guys want to look it up and go listen to it and look at it um, and the TED talk was done by a neuroscientist who's done all like tons of research on the brain and how your brain works and worked with all kind of universities and all this stuff so if you want to listen to it um, it's you aren't at the mercy of your emotions your brain creates them that's what it's called. That's like the name of her talk and the conclusion of all of their research of these thousands of subjects. You aren't at the mercy of your emotions. Your brain creates them. And she explains a lot of it in that TED Talk. She explains that um, a lot of people think that they're at the mercy of their emotions. A lot of people think like, man, I just get angry because of what he does every day. But you actually create that. And if you can realize that, then you can change that in your brain. Um, do we have those? Sailor, do you have that, that black and white picture? you guys to look at this picture take a look at that and tell me what you see now psychologically according to the neuroscience your brain is sifting through thousands of experiences and memories and pictures throughout your whole entire life anything that you can remember trying to answer the question what is this most like? Like you're trying to make those white and black 
blobs make sense or be a picture or what do I see or if I look at it cross-eyed, is it a magic eye or that's what the average person, some people are weird, but some of y'all are, but the average person, your mind, like you've already gone through, whether you know it or not, thousands of different things and pictures and things that you've seen in the past and things that you've been told in the past and what is he about to say about this? What is this most like in my past experiences? Now I've given you enough time that if your brain is still struggling to find a match and you still see black and white blobs, then you are in a state that they call experiential blindness. Experiential blindness, because this experience that I've just given you by showing you that picture and talking to you about it, and now your brain, you can't find anything in the past that tells you what that is. And so now this experience has left you blind. Now, I'm going to cure you of your experiential blindness. It's very simple and very easy to cure you. You ready? I'm going to add a little color to it. Okay. Everybody see the snake? All right. Let's see the black and white back. Now can you see the snake? Now they say for most people, now you look at that, you see the snake. You see his head. You see his body where you couldn't find it or you couldn't see it before. But now... You can see it. Now, most of you see a snake with just the black and white blobs up there. Why? Because your brain is sifting through your past experiences just like it was before. And there's new knowledge there because of the other picture I just showed you. Even though it just happened, it was in your past. And now your brain's got knowledge of what that is. And it was very easy to find it so you know what it is and it changes your whole experience that you're having right now you're not stressing about it you're not thinking about it you don't keep looking back up there thinking what is it what could it be is this a trick is this a you're not crossing your eyes like you now you know what it is it takes the anxiety away and the stress away why i just gave you a little piece of knowledge and now that piece of knowledge is in your past and your brain uses it to what? To predict what that is. The knowledge that you gained a few minutes ago is changing the way that you experience the black and white blobs. It's a type of illusion that neuroscientists call predictions. They say we all do it, we just don't know. Predictions are the way that your brain works. Predictions are the basis for every experience that you have. They are the basis for every action that you take. Predictions are what allow you to understand the words that I am speaking as they are coming out of my... See? You don't even know that you're doing it 
but your brain is predicting what I'm going to say next before I even say it. You see how when I didn't say the word mouth, almost every one of you was like mouth because neuroscientists have proven that that's what your brain's doing constantly. You're predicting what's going to happen next, what I'm going to say next. You're, you're predicting what you're searching through thousands of past pictures and experiences and life lessons and your brain's trying to predict what's about to happen. Predictions help us react to the world in a quick and efficient way. It helps us to not wait until we see something or hear something and then we have to think about it and then we'd be very slow if our brains couldn't predict what was coming, even in conversation. The way that you experience your own emotions is exactly the same process in your brain. That's what they've proven through all the research. That the way that you experience your own emotions is that exact same process. So you're searching through all your past relationships and your past experiences and your past pains and your past trauma and the things that you've seen and all that stuff. And then your brain determines what emotion I need for what I'm facing right now. And then, boom, you produce it. So for some of you, if it's anger, your brain says, Oh, a situation here in front of me. And so quickly your brain searches through the past and comes up with what's the best emotion that would suit this situation. Anger. Ha! Ah, and you punch him in the throat. Because you predicted that that was the best thing to do right now. Based on all the knowledge and data that you have stored in here. What I should do next. And we create Emotions, feelings. So when you feel something in your body, your brain makes predictions and tells you what emotions you should feel in that moment. And the weird thing is, I won't, I'll give you two examples because I'm trying to end this, but the weird thing is, that they say it's the exact same feelings in your body but because of your past experiences or because of the way you've trained your brain or uh, the renewing of your mind that Paul talks about being transformed all the things like so your body produces the exact same feeling a churning in your stomach right if you walk up to a bakery and smell fresh baked chocolate chip cookies there is a churning in your stomach which is actually moving things out of the way to make you a champion and be able to eat more of those cookies than you would be able to without that churning. It gives you a drive to go inside to pull out your wallet and pay for those cookies and do whatever you need to do and it actually makes you happy. This churning in your stomach physically in your body is the exact same thing happens the churning in your stomach when you are sitting in a doctor's office waiting on results of a test and there's a churning in your stomach and you freak out and think I need to maybe find a bathroom and you have stress and anxiety and you begin to wring your hands and sweat begins to beat up on your forehead it's the exact same thing that's happening in your body it's the same churning in your stomach 
But your mind, as it predicts what emotion I should have because of this feeling I have in my body, in the doctor's office, your mind predicts I need to have anxiety and sickness and fear and dread. And when you're standing in front of the bakery, your mind predicts, oh, churning in the stomach. I need to have joy and hunger and make some room for sugar. But it's the exact same thing. The same thing that, um, hang on, I forgot. I don't want to say the wrong one. Being excited and being nervous, they both produce the same thing in your body. The same thing, the same chemicals are released in your brain, whether you are excited or nervous. But if you are excited, then it's positive and you perform better, whatever it is. If you're about to take a test and you're excited about the test, or if you're about to take a test and you're nervous about the test, you won't do as good. If you're excited about playing a sport, you have confidence and you do better. If you are nervous about playing this sport, then you don't have confidence and you don't do as good. And it's the exact same thing being produced in your brain and in your body, and it's the exact same feelings. But some people's brains, because of how they've trained them and because of past experiences and because of all of this, their brain tells them, oh gosh, you need to be nervous right now. And some people's brain tell them, be excited. You're ready for battle. Here's that adrenaline you needed. Let's win this. And the cool thing is that through all of their studies, they have found that it's up to you. You can change it. You just have to identify it and question it. And after you do it so many times, you burn new neuro pathways and you train your brain. No. When I feel a churning in my stomach, I'm excited because I'm about to eat a lot of chocolate chip cookies. I'm not going to let this churning in my stomach make me sick. When I feel this, that adrenaline, that's what I need to win this game. Not that's the nerves I need to throw this thing away. All that takes place in our brain. It's feelings and emotions. And that's what Paul was talking about when he said being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Like if you wake up in the morning, first thing your, your alarm goes off, you turn it off and you wake up with stress and worry and fear and anxiety about the day to come and I can't get everything done and I got too much on my plate and I can't ever return everything, all these emails or I can't, how am I going to get the kids everywhere they need to go or what am I, you know, my whatever it is, whatever your stress and worry, and you wake up with all these anxieties and worries and stress, you know what that is? It's your brain making predictions and then telling you what emotions to create and feel based on past experiences. You need to realize that according to neuroscientists, emotions that seem to happen to you are actually made by you. You can create them. You can choose to change them. Just because you wake up with a bad emotion doesn't mean it's a bad day. 
doesn't mean you have to be depressed like fall into a bad few days like you can change that if you didn't understand all the neuroscientist talk um, my buddy Rodney here made a little TikTok video that might make it more clear for some of you Rodney do you get excited and happy when certain things happen in your life and wish that they could happen more often well just remember that those things that happened that took place basically just took place in your brain because it was something that happened outside of you and then it was your reaction to that experience that made you happy so just imagine you can make every experience happy and be uh, happy and excited all the time if you just decide that you want to be happy and you can say oh, it doesn't work but it does work and it's the way it's done. it always works and works every single time so you can get all mommy mommy it's not work for me but it does work if you just uh, decided it's gonna work it'll work okay so just to be happy uh today i'm happy okay bye So if you didn't understand the other stuff, then that's pretty easy to understand. <laughs> you can say it doesn't work, but it does work. <laughs> I'll be happy today. <laughs> I was going to talk about Drake's song, In My Feelings, but we've gone too long. <laughs> um, in Mark 1.40... In Mark 1.40 um, is where Jesus saw the leper and the scripture tells us that he was moved with compassion and that he healed him. And three of the gospels talked about this miracle where Jesus was moved, emotionally moved with compassion. And Mark is the only one that used this Greek word. Um, and it was, it was translated compassion, but it means that he was moved in the depths of his being, moved in his bowels. Like it's a really strong Greek word that talks about that Jesus was so emotionally moved when he saw this leper that even though it was against the law and even though the people around him were telling him not to go near him and not to touch him and all these different things that, that Jesus went to him and he healed him. And this is what we're supposed to do. This is what we're called to do. Jesus was moved with compassion. And he allowed his feelings to go and touch someone. To go and help somebody else. You know, if you have leprosy, that the first thing you lose is your feeling. So I thought that was kind of cool, that Mark and... Mark was writing Peter's account, and we know how emotional Peter was. His emotions were a great thing, and his emotions got him in trouble a lot of times, too. And so Mark's recording Peter's account, and Mark's the one that recorded this, this word of how Jesus was moved in the depths of his being for this person that couldn't feel. So to close the service Instead of reading that story, I just wanted to give you the, the visual of that story, this clip from The Chosen, and then we'll pray. 
this is what we're supposed to look like if we're Jesus followers and we're Christ-like and, and we're using our emotions and not allowing our emotions to use us. Our emotions should drive us to our purpose. Not to spoil this beautiful day or anything, huh? <laughs> Come on. It's a leopard. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, 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 Rabbi you cannot. It's disease. You. Please don't turn away from me. I won't. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you could do. I know you can heal me if you are willing. Seek your own honor. Please just do me this one thing. Uh, but what do I tell people? Go. Show yourself to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way. Uh, uh. Who has an extra tunic? Just one of you, just one of you. That's enough. <sighs> Green is definitely your color. <laughs> Not too shabby. <laughs> Hey, it's Dallas and the creator of The Chosen, and if you... Your feelings and emotions...
And passions are a powerful thing when they're used for someone else to help somebody else find their feelings and their passions and their emotions and, and who they really are and the things that are placed inside of them and not used on selfishness. When you use your emotions and your feelings and your passions on you and what feels good to you in the moment and you don't care about hurting other people, that's when it gets reckless and dangerous and that's when you're using your feelings and emotions for things that God never created them for. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thanks for speaking to our hearts and our minds. God, help us to be a mature people. Help us to, like Paul said, put away the childish things, not reason like children, right? not follow our feelings and our emotions and what I feel like doing in the moment, but that we would listen to you and obey you and that we could take a step back and realize, oh, wait a minute. I want to make good decisions. God, I thank you for giving us feelings and emotion and for giving us passion. It makes it all worthwhile. Thank you for placing those emotions and feelings inside of each one of us. Help us to use them to help other people and to let other people find their purpose their healing, their freedom. 